Guess who? And guess what? Footy Prime is launching a gin, and we're having a party to celebrate. Thursday, June 6th, join the whole FP crew for Footy Prime's one-night stand at Nickel Nine Distillery in Toronto. Come celebrate Footy Prime's one-ball gin with Nickel Nine Distillery mixologists on hand, Charmin's proper pies, meet and greet and photo ops with your favorite primers, and a live Atska's Almost Anything podcast. Footy Prime's one-night stand, June 6th at 7 p.m. till when we kick you out. Tickets at eventbrite.ca. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oi. The boys on Footy Prime on occasion are known to use vulgarities and frankly appalling language. And sometimes tales are quite adult in nature. So keep the volume down if there are kiddies around. And thank you for listening. You're listening to Footy Prime News and Such. Your one-stop destination for footy news and such. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. Before we even start today, yes, Brendan will mention Ronaldo at some point on today's show. Lots of rumors out there. And you're shaking your head like it's nothing. A lot of speculation, be about old CR7's future. But it's still the middle of June. End of June. Let things play out. We can all be excited and have other conversations and enjoy the summer weather. Yeah, and then go you know, crazy when he signs for Bayern. Ronaldo PR machine starting. That's what it is. All right. He knows just what he's doing, even without Mino anymore. Oh, no, it's not Mino, is it? George yeah, Mendes, he's, he's alive Mino. still. Even with George Mendes, he knows <laughs> it's June. It's when the machine starts kicking into gear. You know hey, exactly what he's doing right now. Out of, Maybe get out a few of more all, bucks from United. Out of all things in the world to talk about, we have to go to Cristiano Ronaldo right away for Dunlop. You didn't you know, have I'm just, to do just that. touching Why? Base. In case, In case the story breaks... You know, at some point today, and we're off air. At least we can say we did pay some time to it. That's all I'm saying. We can forget it now. It's done. It's washed. It's under the carpet. Look at his face. Look at his face right now. <laughs> right now, he's googling <laughs> frantically. Ronaldo, what's, yeah. what's, what's, what's going on? Oh God! Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> Look at his face. You no, got that right. face like he's retired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be terrifying. Actually, uh, Lionel Messi's uh, 35th birthday yesterday. Oh, it well, was. Well, imagine that. Time we, we, we forgot, I forgot to bring the cake. Yeah. Sorry, B. I'll bring that up straight to Ronaldo, just for me. Thanks. It's uh, it's news and such. It's Footy Prime the podcast. Uh, that was Dunlop. You heard Jimmy Brennan. Craig's here. I'm Sharman. Uh, Wonger and JC are lurking around somewhere. Um, today, though, we're going to start off talking some, some women's soccer. Obviously, so much going on right now. Big match on Sunday. It's a friendly, but still, every game's a big match uh, at BMO Field, Canada, Korea, and then some big World Cup qualifiers. Uh, but of course, beyond that, 
there's so many storylines around national soccer in Canada, both men's and women's. So we thought we'd bring on one of the authorities on such things. Former national team player, Olympian reporter, covers all things CF Montreal as well. It's Amy Walsh. Amy, welcome. Hi, thanks. And Charms, just right off the top before I forget to mention it, the end of yesterday's episode, you talked about number 12 for Canada. Everybody knows her name. But you referred to her as a city in Ohio. You called her Cincy. <laughs> I did, didn't I? Okay, what yeah, correct, did. What, what's, what's her correct um, nickname? Sinky. It's Sinky, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Amy? I've been calling her Cincy for about 15 years. Yeah. No wonder oh, she doesn't want to do you're, an you're interview the first with you. Person to correct That's me, right. so thank you. She's never coming on. <laughs> no. <laughs> it makes complete sense, doesn't it? Sinclair, hard cut. No, thank yeah. you for, for correcting me. You know, it's, it's, it's rare that I get things wrong. So it's, <laughs> it's, I, 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 I have to interrupt for a second. You couldn't uh, help yourself, could you, Wonger? Right? No, you couldn't I, help yourself. I, right now, and this is exceptional, but Amy, Charms is voting you off the island immediately for correcting <laughs> you on air. Oh, God. You're off. We won't let him. We won't let him. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you're here. You're here. No, no, thank you, Amy. Sin- Sinky. How could yeah. she, 15 years I've been covering her career or thereabouts. And I've been calling her since the, on TV, on radio, on, on blogs. For, yeah, but your Australian been... accent hides it. I don't think people truly <laughs> like hear it. It's okay. And hey, we had, how long did we have Dickio on the show? And Wonger never said his name, right? <laughs> yeah, that's oh, true. Dickio. You know what? In fairness, I've, I've mentioned the term since he, including last night, numerous times in this podcast. And these assholes haven't once. Um, it corrected me because they didn't know either. No, your accent. So, <laughs> now we know. Accent. It's sinking. You're dragging everybody down with you. Yeah. Christine, I'm so sorry. I apologize. Uh, I'll just keep it simple and call you Christine from now on. Amy, um, <laughs> I, I was at training this week and we asked some of the some of the players about, you know, what's happening right now in, in women's soccer, men's soccer. And, and they did speak with some solidarity, you know, w- with the men's team regarding the whole labor issues, um, um, gender equity, of course, is a big issue right now. I know it's not quite that simple. What is the latest? I mean, is there really solidarity right now between the men's and women's uh, as these negotiations continue? I think it's tough to know because both sides have kind of come out. Janine Becky said that the men didn't consult the women prior to the inclusion of the need for a domestic pro league and for an equitable pay structure, which the women then specified exactly what that meant or in in their terms what they expected from it which was more like equal pay for equal work not a percentage of respective FIFA monies so it's hard to know I think that um, they're making a mistake both teams are by not moving forward and in lockstep and really presenting a united front in this wage dispute with the federation now, are the women really, they're holding firm on equal pay and not pay equity, right? Because I remember mm-hmm. going back to uh, maybe four or five years ago, I think you were even talking at that time about pay equity. You weren't even talking about pay equality. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about five years ago, but um, yeah. I think with the precedent, I mean, we can go back and, and double check. I'm not sure what was happening uh, five years ago, but the, with the precedent with the U.S. Women's National Team and what they did, jointly with the men's national team and other federations have done it. And then the, the Netherlands, mm-hmm. Norway, um, Australia have, they, they pay both teams equitably mm-hmm. um, or have that equality in their pay in the way that their respective teams are remunerated. Remuner- my God, 
remunerated. <laughs> well, now, now who's you not guys, sounding so smart, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe Jimmy can get in, Miguel. Two minutes. <laughs> Lord. You guys know what I'm saying. But then with the, the historic element of that CBA is the fact that they're going to pool the sort of the disparity that exists in the FIFA monies for the respective World Cups, like 450 million for the men versus 60 million for the women. And then that's going to be shared um, equally. I think you can't ignore that now. You, you have to sort of forge ahead and fight your fight with your own federation until FIFA deals with what's going on sort of internally and does what the U.S. Open does, which is pay the men and women equally. So I think you have to fight that battle with your federation first. And to the CSA's credit, you won't ever hear me give them a ton of credit, but they have said that that's important for them going forward. So I think the men and, and the women really need to get on, on the same page here so that they can sort something out going forward. Because I think the men have talked about leaving a legacy, like how their fight with the Federation and, and, and missing that game against Panama and, um, and what it means for them. And even though they knew they disappointed the fans, they, they were taking a stand and, and I think a significant one and it's important. But for the, the grassroots and all the rest of the, of, the, of the program that CSA has, they've been able to, to sort of hold those up and bolster them and, and fund them, maybe not to a level that we've seen or that is important and is going to make strides in the game we've seen the u20 men's team compete against a really strong u.s team that has seen more time in camp has more investment and more funding so that's all very important but the csa has been able to do that with a budget so now that they get this windfall of money i think that they're able to distribute it and make sure that this equal pay is is instituted so that canada is it becomes one of those nations that is recognized as such Yep, yep. It's uh, it's obviously a complex issue, um, and like you said, there it does seem Canada Soccer are saying that this whole area of the negotiation isn't negotiable. There will be equity here. There will be equal pay for equal play. Simple as that. You know, the states fought what six years in courts over this. They finally yeah. figured it out. That signed off. And generally speaking, we are somewhat reactionary up here in a number of things, right? And and I think uh, that that could be the the end result as well. But it goes beyond, obviously, women's soccer in Canada goes beyond just the the, the national team agreements. It's about domestically league systems. Um, what is next for women's soccer in, in Canada? Mm -hmm. For you, what comes first, and what should come first? Uh, a professional domestic league or an NWSL franchise? I think the goal should always be a domestic pro league. I think that's important that it's Canadian led, Canadian founded. You get more women or even just Canadians involved in the management side, uh, in the business side, in the refereeing and the coaching. So then you're able to develop all of this talent and then have Canadians in this league. So Rian Wilkinson has been vocal. She used her platform for, her induction into the Hall of Fame to talk about this, that if you don't have a passport, you don't have the luxury of having a passport to a European country. If you finish college, you go the NCAA route, you essentially are forced to choose between playing soccer or sort of surviving and, and choosing a different job in, in order to pay the bills. You don't have the, like a Vanessa Gill story. Um, for her to come to the national team so late and have success, she could be one of many. There could be tons of future Vanessa Gilles out there, but she had a European passport. She was able to go to Cyprus, then she played at Bordeaux, and now she's at Angel City, so, and has had a really successful run with it with the national team. But we're losing players like Vanessa Gilles because there's just no infrastructure for these women to play. 
So I think that definitely has to be the goal. You have something like a, a female CPL eventually in the works. But in the meantime, would an NWSL franchise in Toronto be a bad thing? I Absolutely not. I would be all over that. I think it would be great to sort of grow the game, to promote it, to get these MLS franchises like TFCs and the CF Montreal's the development of the female talent that exists in this country. But you step back from that and you look at how many Canadians could be involved in coaching, in marketing, in business, refereeing, all of the like in order to run operations for something like that. And uh, on a, a yearly basis, on even a daily basis on game day, it's not very many people involved. So I, I think in order to really grow the game properly, you, you need to develop that infrastructure. So I think that it's really, really, we're at a pivotal time now in Canada. The women have podium three times in a row at the Olympics. They had less success in the World Cup. I think that's coming. But if there's no league to, to foster that development in our own backyard, I think that Canada will start to slip out of that world elite. Mm -hmm. yeah. I agree with you because, I mean, the world is absolutely catching up and we're seeing a, an absolutely called a tsunami of popularity in the women's game, uh, especially a league, which is absolutely exciting. We've seen international football. Yeah. And the World Cups and Olympics is great and people watch it. But the league setups in Europe, uh, especially and the crowds we're seeing there, 100,000 people, Champions League being broadcast and covered at a different level. So there's a lot of really great things happening around the women's program. And you talk about coaching and a guy and, and players that you played with that mm -hmm. have had a pathway into the coaching side of things, you know, like Carmelita Moscato, Rhiannon Wilkinson, Diana Matheson. These are really high, you know, players that are have some clout in Canada and they've done a really good job making that transition that all players aren't going to want to do or willing to do, but they They've had that opportunity and done incredibly well and are just excelling at that, uh, at that level. Yeah, yeah it, it's fabulous to see. And, and Carmelina Moscato, who just recently moves over, I think she was not in, in Denmark. She was over in Europe somewhere coaching. And uh, now she's down in the Liga MX uh, with uh, Tigres. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that, that's great. It's fabulous for her. It's fabulous for this sort of legacy of Canadian players. But to be negative, I don't want to be, but we're outsourcing all of that talent because there's nothing at home. Yeah. So Karina LeBlanc is the GM for the Thorns. You look at Becky and Sinclair who are playing there. Rian's coaching there. Um, mm -hmm. They're not called Port Lanada for nothing, right? So you just... <laughs> yeah. And then you, you've got um, uh, Jordan Heidema, who's now at Rain with Quinn. Um, all of so the, the possibilities of development and, and this chemistry and uh, just sort of growing the game, but at the club level, but it's just not available here in Canada. And it's, it's such a shame. And I really think if we don't jump on this sooner than later, mm -hmm. um, we're going to lose out. No, I, I would love to see the, the Canadian Premier League and the three MLS teams work together because I think to have a women's domestic league with all the Canadian teams in it would be fantastic. And the last thing, and I understand what you're saying, saying, okay, you know, with the, the NWSL and be nice for Toronto, go down there and play. But if we could have the, the MLS teams and the CPL teams work together in collaboration and have a true women's domestic league, I think it'd be fantastic. Because the last thing I want to see personally is the MLS teams go play down in the States and then the Canadian teams build their own league. And I think it'd be great if we can have one unified league. Yeah, I'm not sure how that works logistically if, uh, you know, you're combining the NWSL with with the CPL, but with what the, what exists already with Vancouver and Toronto and Montreal, 
I don't know why you can't have something created there for the women, um, yeah. at least on the on an academy side or the CF Montreal just announced a regional discovery program that is for the first time going to include women and girls, which, which is great. That's an awesome first step. Um, and the Whitecaps have traditionally sort of led the way in that with their history. I mean, there's also the, the not so great history with, um, with Bob Berarda and everything that's going on there. But I mean, their history of recognizing women and developing that talent. And um, there's no reason why those other MLS franchises can't, can't get on board there. And uh, I think, you know, while the CPL is a fledgling league, um, and then, you know, there's that tie in with the, the to harken back to what we were talking about with, with the CSB and the players asking for more transparency with what's going on there and the owners of the CPL and where all that money's going. Um, I, I don't think there's any reason why there can't be um, a women's side or a women's component to that, you know, but we, we need funding. But if there's something that exists, I think the investors are there. The investors for women's soccer will not necessarily be the same investors that already exist for for MLS and for the CPL. I think that there is opportunity there to create something and then people are just going to come out of the woodwork. Fans of female soccer or women's soccer are not just families and young girls. You know, there, there, there's a, a pool out there of people who are interested and, and you've seen now that if, if the product is there, the viewership will increase if there's, if there's, uh, if there's broadcasting, if there's that visibility. Um, you mentioned Diana Matheson before, um, Craig. Diana Matheson doing her, her MBA has the background, understands the demands, the rigors of playing an international game, playing professionally, but now has the business background. So studies have shown that when you have this interest, you, you create the product, the women on the field, a women's league, a professional league, the viewership, the support, the money, the investment, will follow. Um, so, so there's no reason why a Diana Matheson and a, and a think tank um, business minds in Canada, whether it's men or women, cannot create something that will have a lasting effect on soccer in Canada. What's the guarantee that somebody like Diana Matheson doesn't jump ship and take an opportunity somewhere else if she gets frustrated here, Amy? Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's no guarantee. We're talking about uh, outsourcing talent. So I think the longer that you sort of languish uh, as, as a player, maybe one of those forgotten players that's not part of the elite, not part of somebody who's on Bev Priestman's radar as part of that national team pool or that extended roster. And you're, maybe you have the opportunity to go play somewhere, um, but you don't have an opportunity in the NWSL because you're count as an international. It's also the same thing when you're out of the game, even if you have a history like Diana, and you're trying to knock on doors to create that infrastructure, to try to create something for the players, by the players. And we were talking about Carmelina Moscato before, and she and Reen were part of a program that John Herdman instituted um, that was elite player, elite coach. So there were other players that benefited. You see Melissa Tancredi, who's still involved in the national team, Candace Chapman, um, Mel Booth. Um, anybody who's a fan of the national team knows, knows those names. Um, and so there's no reason, again, to sort of harken back to what we were talking about with, with the men and the women and, and asking for transparency by, by, the, by the CSA and what's happening with the CSB. Why can we not have more board members who are former players? And this elite player, elite coach, elite coach program could also provide continuity or a continuity of sorts 
with the former players and then this business side or this the, the management side and how things are conducted at the federation. Um, so to sort of circle back, Craig, to your question, there's no guarantee that if, if nothing happens now in the next three to five years for, for women in terms of domestic pro league and the development of one or creation of one, that Diana doesn't get poached by somebody because the offer is just too good. So that's the risk as well. That, yeah. you know, you lose the opportunity to deepen this player pool, but you also lose the minds of, you know, the, the former players and, and the people who want to create something. Yeah. So it's, it's a, little it's bit a of really a, sort of tenuous situation. It's like a brain drain, isn't it, from Canada? We see it in the men, too, with guys like Pat Onstead working in the United States, old players like Mike Sweeney, Frank Yallop, Mark Watson's general manager at Minnesota. You know, even Kaylin Kyle, she's, you know, making a living yeah. uh, very well down in the United States, uh, covering women's football, covering men's football, and doing an am amazing job. But this is this is all stuff that we should be doing in Canada. So yeah. uh, it's it's definitely a problem, and I'm not sure exactly how to fix it. What do you think, uh, Amy, you know, regarding European football right now and the growth, and we're seeing women's games being covered, much like the men's game over there in the, in the Champions mm -hmm. League in particular. Um, you know, they're getting a lot more big names involved. You know, it's, it's being treated properly for the first time, perhaps ever. Mm -hmm. um, NWSL is big. We, we know it's done really great, great things. So we saw Janine, you know, move to Portland from Man City, right? Big move. Mm -hmm. That's great for North American football. Um, but is that is the gap growing? Do you think is there a danger that Europe will and continue to be the dominant force in in women's soccer as it is in men's soccer? Yeah, that's always the danger, and I and I think there is going to be that gap that's created. Um, you look at what's happening in Spain and how the creation of a women's professional league sort of bolstered by the the money and the investment by um, sort of long held successful teams like Real Madrid's and, and the Barca's. And so they can just funnel money into the women's program. And as you said, treat them sort of on par with the men's team, whether that's social media or whether that's um, locker rooms, just travel, all that sort of stuff. Um, and you're seeing in NWSL with Angel City FC, I mentioned it before with where Vanessa Gill's playing and sort of a female led collective of investors who are these prominent ex-women's national team players or celebrities and they're they're bringing a product that's really attractive not only to the soccer fan but to the community so i think there's the opportunity to develop more things like that but i but i think when you look at spain and how that investment and that influx of money and the investment in the women's game has really served to to really prop up their women's national team mm. um it's it's and all the leagues that exist in Europe, you're, you're just seeing those respective teams really take off and it, and it just makes it even more glaring. And I'm going to sound redundant, but the, you know, the fact that Canada still doesn't have this domestic pro league. So that gap is not only going to exist between sort of the North American game or the NWSL, but also Europe and the club play, but then the respective national sides as well. One of the things that's is interesting too is just the the fact that you know the development over there is is exceptional, but uh, the opportunities for you know some of our women are are not obviously there. Um, 
the gap, the standard of play is ex- is growing exceptionally fast. It's, it's actually becoming very watchable at all levels, which, you know, there was a time I would say that there that wasn't the case. I think internationally, you know, at the U.S. were unbelievably, it was everybody else and them, but the development has really, really caught up uh, to them. But uh, for development in Canada, we're still pay to play. Uh, the United States, the same. I mean, you could even look at the United States women's team and say, well, the mass majority of them are white uh, because they get opportunities to, to, to go to the highest level of coaching academies and, ex- uh, and, and that sort of thing. I think there's only just over a dozen black females that play for the women's national team in the States. It's really quite exceptional. But in Europe, what you have is you're going to have the same situation when the clubs get so serious about it that they're not going to miss out on that because the development doesn't, isn't pay to play. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter whether you're rich, whether you're poor. If you're good enough, you're going to end up at Barcelona right. if you're Spanish. If you're good enough in Manchester, you're going to end up in Man City, and you're not going to be paying for your development. So th- we do have those challenges here, Amy, still, don't we, that we for pay to play. We don't have clubs that are going to take these in and invest into these players and take the financial burden off them and their families. Yeah, I think that's a really important point to make. And, and we think of, at least in Canada, or I do, um, as soccer is being one of these accessible sports to anybody, regardless of, of your background, your ethnicity, or your, your social standing, mm-hmm. um, compared to hockey, say. You know, so the, the registration numbers for, for soccer far out, um, exceed hockey, I think, because of that. There are less barriers to participation. Um, but yeah, if, if the pay-to-play is, is still exists, uh, maybe that's something else that these federation these federations have to have to take a look at so that it's becoming more inclusive and then by default at the development and you're touching more lives and you're giving the opportunity to more to more kids regardless of their background or their family situation I I think that it just can't help but cycle back and be and be better off in the future when you look at that generation and then when they come into the fold or national team age or youth development um, so I, I think that's something that the federations here in North America probably have to take a hard look at. Mm-hmm. It's a really interesting point. I mean, just at training this week, the, the Canadian, the cultural mosaic of, of the women's team is so different to the men. It is predominantly white, predominantly. And that's almost on its foot in its head for the men. You know, it really is uh, an interesting uh, conversation to have. Um, Amy, listen, you are obviously more than just women's soccer. You cover all sports, all, all soccer. Um, you do a great job with Montreal in MLS. Uh, I love yeah. your tweets, by the way. If you haven't followed Amy, please do. Um, you, you won this week during the, uh, the Cannes Championship match. You, you said you, you're not a fan of black socks and, and red shorts. You're just not a fan. Uh, it, it's a no. big no-no for you. What, what is the, the correct sock short etiquette? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you look at, at TFC and then their color scheme. I think those socks have to be white with red trim, don't they? <laughs> I think so. I'm not a fan of the black either. Yeah. I haven't been on the front of GQ very often, so I I couldn't really (laughs) talk about it. It looks more rugby to me. Right? Because the black black sock contrasts. Yeah. Yeah. Amy, did you have a a black sock red short combo when you were with the national team? I feel like Umbro. No, I don't think there was. I don't think there was ever black in our color scheme, to be honest. And was all your sort of nouveau. Was all your kit basically men's gear? It was, right? I mean, yeah. So we, we turned really quick. So like when I was first with the national team was in 98. So we we're qualifying for CONCACAF. And it was basically the men's kit 
that maybe or maybe not got washed and then we that got shipped out. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you got you're, you're floating in it. And Did I'm you get mine? Like, oh, I don't know. The armpits were pretty rank, so it could Oh, be. that's not mine know. then. Definitely yeah. not mine. <laughs> yeah, it'd be all aftershave. It not was mine. offensive. Yeah. Yeah. No. But and then they went they they did a one eighty. So then it wasn't necessarily complaints. I mean, when you first play for your national team, you're, you're happy to don the kit and hear the national anthem. It's, it's a dream, right? Yeah. But then you take a hard look at what you're really being provided and you have to hand in your, your track suit at the end of camp because they don't have enough to go around. Yeah. We were only in camp for two months during the summer in the barracks at Esquimalt or at Nottawasaga, just outside Toronto. Yeah. Um, and actually I have a funny story about Ian Bridge. We were playing Patonk one day as like a team activity. And um, we, like, I mean, there wasn't much of a highlight. There wasn't much to do. So we'd gone up to like the 7-Eleven and gotten like some candy necklaces and some candy watches. Do you guys remember those? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so Ian Bridge is like, Amy, you got the time. There's 10 minutes left. And I'm like, yeah, Bridgie, I got it. I'm wearing a candy watch. <laughs> so we keep playing. And then he looks at me. He's like, Amy, how much time left? I'm like, are you serious? It's like, it's, it's made of candy. Do you want a piece? Because I have no idea how much time is remaining. But anyway, that is one, one little, one little funny part of, of our existence there. But then for the, for the world cup, the following summer in, in 99, um, Mary Beth Bowie, who was on the team then she's from out East. She's actually my sister-in-law now. She's married to my older brother. Um, she was on a national team for two, for two years. Her shorts were so small that she was embarrassed to do her warm up coming in as a sub. So they went from men's fit where everybody's floating. Um, we certainly weren't aerodynamic. Like we were getting beat to balls because we were probably getting <laughs> caught in the wind like a to, a woman, to a woman's fit where there was nothing left to the imagination. I was like, Bowie, do you have a dime in your back pocket? Cause I can see its head. <laughs> brutal. So, I mean, the women's game has come, um, Craig, you're, ta- you're talking about how, how watchable and how exciting um, and how dynamic it is and how skillful it is. I mean, it's certainly come along so much. And, and thankfully, so is the kit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sepp Ladder's not in charge of the fashion. Anymore. Yeah, if you can only buy oh, it. Oh, Sepp well, Ladder, that's yeah. Good point. Yeah, started. remember those? Yeah. yeah. No sleeves and tight shorts, right? Wasn't that what he said? Yeah. yeah, I think he just said shorter shorts will bring in more viewers. Dear God. Yeah, dear God. Yeah. Dear but there was God. that Cameroon kit, wasn't there? I think it was actually men's. It was the it was a one piece. Shirts, one piece, yeah. <laughs> was it was it a one piece? No, was one, it was just yeah. sleeveless. No, it was one piece. They had Jimmy's mind Cameroon. Was they had the, wasn't the the shorts and the top was all connected, was it not? I think yeah. you're right. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Not not good. Fine so, for professionals, but yeah. for like you know, they have I got the one weekend warriors. Yeah. Of course, shouldn't be wearing that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Was would Jimmy were you knocking on the door of whoever the kit manufacturer was at the time? Hey, Adidas, come take care of us in Canada. Yeah, we're we're like, a summer. Why neighbor. do we not have this? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I made one up at home, and what do you think? Looks great. Yeah. It looks yeah, great yeah. on me, Amy. Own. Listen, thank you so much. Yeah, can I get oh, sorry, one please? Montreal question in? I want to yes, get one please. Montreal question because a- Amy, you see this team on a, on a daily basis. Um, mm-hmm. I watched the game on Wednesday, so I wasn't on our last episode of of the show, and uh, it was we we're about half an hour in. The guy said, "Well, give us a play by play. Like, what have you noticed?" And I was really excited about Ishmael Kone, who yeah. after like after I did that interview, did not have <laughs> much of an impact in the game. But then again, neither did Montreal. TFC just oh. kind of ran through them. But impact Ishmael, in the game, nice. Right? Yes, didn't have an impact <laughs> in the game. Um, Ishmael Kone to me seems like just such an intelligent player. Like he did just it. He seems like for someone who's very young, 
You would never know that by w- watching him. The eye test, he looked like a 10-year veteran out there. I just love the way that he was on and off the ball. Uh, what, what's it like having watched him flourish uh, over the last season and a bit? Yeah, well, he's been injured the, la- the last little while, picked up a little uh, knock to his knee. So he hasn't really in- been involved. So that was his first start in, in a wee while. I'm getting vertigo watching Jimmy's screen here. I'm going to have to ignore it for a second. He's moving around. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, I mean, he's, he's a fabulous talent. And you think back to, they had that eight game run where they went unbeaten and it actually started prior to, I think, the March international break. And it was a game where he had a bad giveaway um, that led to an Atlanta goal, but then he was involved in all of Montreal's goals. So he has a late mm-hmm. run into the box. He finishes it. He draws a penalty. And I think on the other goal, he has a decisive assist. So he's, he's a really, really bright talent for this team. And um, I don't know if Wilfred Nancy has figured out if he's in, in the right position there because he had some success early on in with Wanyama and he kind of balanced out the attack because Mihailovic likes to come in sort of off that left wing and fill that sort of half space. And Kone naturally sort of pushed forward on the right in sort of a number eight role but with the ability to sort of just take guys on on the dribble. So it's been really cool to see. But then now with Mihailovic out, I think, you know, and the, the, the lack of success lately and that really listless performance on Wednesday, it was pretty brutal to, to watch. Um, I think that Wilfred Nancy's going to have to figure something out. And he had Kone kind of in that position where Mihailovic usually plays, but nobody really looked highly motivated at, at BMO Field. It looked like it was hot. Mm-hmm. But uh, they have to do better. I just want to see them compete better. You know, there, there's no willingness to, to win tackles, to win second balls. To, there's no energy out there. So Wilfred Nancy wants to play this attractive brand of soccer, but you got to win the second balls. You got to win all the blue collar stuff. And I'd like to see them sort of get back to that and then layer on the, the, the attractive brand of soccer after the fact. As a yeah. TFC fan, I was happy to see Montreal's performance. <laughs> I'm sure you were. Are you wearing no high doubt. black socks below yeah. the screen there? Do you have high black socks on? I there? do. They're over my knees right now. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy loves his knee highs. Um, yeah. No, um, they, they, they definitely miss Mihailovic, you know, and hopefully he gets back, back soon. Uh, Amy, listen, you, you fit in really well here. Um, the next time one of us gets arrested or dies, um, we'll definitely add you to the collection. Um, you, you're welcome back anytime. Amy Thurstein Walsh on Twitter. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Amy. Thank you, guys. Wait, does that mean that I, I don't get the nine nine question rapid fire like Julio Grosso just shoots you guys down? Just, yep, no. Oh, like, you're, ready, you're ready for that, were you? Well, you know what? We, Give we Dan Wall about five we minutes can, and we can... We, uh, next no. time, Amy. Next time. Right, we'll we'll next do it. Time. We'll get you back Sounds on good. soon and we'll definitely do that with some better questions because uh, we showed our age last time. We really did. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, we'll get, I think we'll get I her on a banter the session. demographic a bit, a bit better, so we, we may, might be talking, or speaking the same language at least. You and it's Julia true. were not. 21-year-olds <laughs> like, have no idea where to What's start. What's your favorite no. YouTube show? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amy, thanks so okay. much. We'll chat real soon. Yeah, thank you. Sorry about my internet. Not at all, not at all. It's Quebec's Amy fault, Walsh. not your fault. At AB13Walsh, you can find her on Twitter. She's a must-follow for all things football in, in this country, absolutely. All right, fellas, um, I want to get this in quickly here um, before before we, we go. Um, not Ronaldo. Um, great observation by one of our favorites, uh, Bergman in the Garage on, on Twitter. Um, he, he mentioned, he kind of drew our uh, reference to the, the Wonga story from the last podcast about his childhood experience and his parents, right? And he goes, now we know 
why your preferred superpower would have been a huge bladder. <laughs> because without <laughs> the huge yes. bladder, you would have stayed playing risk, would never have been drawn upstairs <laughs> past your parents' bedroom door. It's a great observation. I, I, I wish we'd, one of us had thought of that at the time, but thanks, Bergman. You're the best. It was fantastic. <laughs> and I, I, I literally, it was my superhero Genesis story. You know, like the, the Spider-Man uh, getting bit by the, the radioactive spider. Mine <laughs> was, was it. seeing my parents doing some numbers upstairs in their bedroom. <laughs> when, 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 Marvel, when Marvel starts writing the, the Footy Prime, you know, co comic, and that will be the first scene, right? You know, a young Dan Wong playing Risk oh, and having to, awesome. to run off to the washroom and then yeah. being frozen in time as he looks into his parents' bedroom. Yeah. That's the moment he gets his superpower. And my eyes meet my mother's eyes oh. over my dad's hip. Bladder man. I can't believe bladder man. Yeah, his superpower is a bigger bladder. I mean, I've never heard anything <laughs> so fantastic. It's no. like a great superpower. It was hey, the honesty. We also need an update from Craig Forrest and the mystery of the missing yes. Stan Rogue. Yeah. It was in visitor parking the whole time. Hey, what are, what are the odds that he hasn't called the police yet? Yeah. Oh, oh, no. No, I've, I've called the police uh, a few times. And the second time I called them, they notified me that my car was towed. <laughs> why what well i was it, everything mirrors right every floor so there's five underground parking spots and i never left my car in somebody else's spot but it was obviously on two three or five instead of four they got my number they could phone me they know my license plate they had to let the dump uh, the uh, tow truck come in where only residents can get into it's not that difficult no. and yet when i said to look at some video because my car has been stolen they were delaying and delaying i'm like what's going on and I, it's because they knew they let it they didn't want to tell me they they let a tow truck come in and then they towed it it, had, it was an hour north of the city it was an absolute <laughs> me, and Wonger, me and wonger cleaned it on saturday this thing couldn't have had more dust on this fucking thing. I didn't want to put the windshield wipers on because it would have just been mud. Oh, <laughs> and the worst man. part is you couldn't even drive to the, the pound. Yeah, no, I had to up? get a ride. Yeah. Oh. I had to get a ride. And then so, that so, was... So that you was a... parked in the wrong spot, which can happen. I, I can see that happening. But they didn't even think of calling you? No. they threw two, these people? They threw two tickets on it as well before towing it. Wow. <laughs> who, who runs security? The CSA? <laughs> yeah so it was about 400 bucks that was a, oh it's not the csa it's the cta canadian ticketing association ticketing and towing yeah but wow. even more i was saying to Craiger, it's incredible because that person that you parked in their spot they could have just gone and said hey here's the car that's in my spot can you call and find out this guy or this person i think it's a guy though this yeah. person, instead of just going through the condo security, called the tow, like called the ticketing people mm -hmm. and the tow truck instead of just, it took going more energy. Yeah, it took yeah. more energy. Let's, for hey, let's, let's, let's take a little visit to the parking lot and hang out by his spot and let's find out who he is. We need to get the shit out of him.
Dickio would have something to say to this guy. <laughs> he would. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Dickio like used to legs. do. Yeah. When Dickio yeah. was an academy player and making uh, what twenty quid a week, that uh, that was a side job. He'd work with the craze and just. There's no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> Car park Ronnie Craze boys. Right? Well, no. Um, I, I brought this up a few days ago, guys, that my my brother had sent me a hilarious text. And I've told before on this show how like I have ridiculous dreams. We've spoken about this before. Like I've never been to like a dream analyst. Jimmy, I don't know if you've done this. I think Charms, we've had this conversation before. But I don't want someone like studying my dreams because I don't want to think about what the hell that, that this means. Like, I have crazy. We, we all get stuck running in quicksand. That's my real life. Or like flying, <laughs> right? Or you show up somewhere important naked. Like we've all had dreams like that. But my dreams are just insane. So my brother, who I didn't realize had insane dreams like me, uh, sends me this long text message, which I thought would be h- hilarious if our professional voice artist read this uh, as a cold read. That was the best way to share this with the audience. So Jeff, I've sent you the text from uh, my brother Sean. Yes, I've, I've I have it here, and I haven't. I've not read it, but I've looked at just the, the length of it, and it's there. But my question to you, Brendan Dunlop, is what does your brother's voice sound like? Or how would you like me to represent this? Can I just go wild with it? I uh, Charms can attest. Uh, my brother's voice is like, I think, Mickey Mouse, more monotone version of my voice. <laughs> I I have the, the Dunlop have good pipes. It's a nice tone. Yeah. I don't think but he has not, as much, as much um, yeah, animated more range. As range. Yeah, I, I think you should do it as yeah. Daffy Duck. <laughs> I think you can just read it as Jeff Cole. I Elmer, think Elmer's fine with you. As Christine, <laughs> about as Christine. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see where it goes. It's Wabbit season. I think. It, I think it would be best delivered in just Jeff it's Cole discovery. Season. Okay. All right. It's, it's, isn't this Dunlop's text? And it's his dream. So let's let Sean's text. Sean's yeah, Sean's dream. text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About your dream. <laughs> no, his Jesus. own dream. Oh, his Sean own dream. had a dream. Oh, his yeah. own dream. Why would he be texting about my dream? Well, you're talking about your dreams the last five I was minutes. Just setting up the Always Dunlop about you, dream isn't it? different. Oh. <laughs> go, go, JC, before you become a domestic and we have to call the cops. I had a wild dream last night. First off, we were both at the University of Toronto, but it was in Chicago. Sharman and Jeff Cole were also there to listen to your recap, to you recap your remarkable playing career. Eight years ago, after being scouted at your co-ed league team, you signed with Burnley. From there, you ended up playing for AC Milan. And then from there, you moved to Cristiano Ronaldo's Real Madrid. This is where the dream gets a little weird, because this part was now happening in the present. You were playing in the Champions League final with Real. It's nil-nil until Cristiano scores in in extra time. You sprint over to him and wrestle him to the ground in celebration. You were very aggressive. You're literally holding him down as you try to explain how he needs to celebrate this goal. Dry humping his leg. You're trying to explain it in Portuguese, but you're stammering and stuttering. Thank God he and the rest of the team have patience. And he took his shorts off. Cristiano says to, to just explain it in English because he understands, but you're like, Look at the video board. I'll show you. So the whole team is sat on the pitch watching your instructional video for how to celebrate this goal. Mind you, there's still like 15 minutes left in extra time. The other team starts protesting because of your time wasting and their owner yelling at us from the luxury box. We run out of the stadium because we're sure they're going to kill us. And we're back in downtown Toronto slash Chicago. The end. That is amazing. 
That's a mushroom story. That is amazing. Uh, Specific memories. Uh, He's taking something. (laughs) I'm concerned about. Yeah, I'm concerned about Sean here a little bit. Isn't he in Thailand? You know, there has been the uh, legalization of weed in Thailand, right? Mm. Maybe he was sipping uh, cobra venom. Yeah, there's there's a lot in, in Thailand. I don't know about the legal stuff, but uh, from what I read in the papers, it's the illegal Russian stuff that you got to be worried about in Thailand. Jesus. He also could get Muay Thai. Is he Muay Thai training? Could have got hit in the head a couple times. Muay Thai. Muay Thai, sorry. <laughs> wow. That's a That's great crazy. dream, though. I must admit, yeah. that, that is good. And we got another Ronaldo reference into the show. That was the whole Very, point. But well done. That was well done. Hey, my, my only last dream was the other day. That was my last. That was my last one was about three days ago. And it was really bizarre. I think, didn't I tell, I think I told a couple of you. I got bit by a dog on the inside of my arm, right? And I fought this dog off. Dog ran away. I thought you said you fucked No, no, I fought, right? (laughs) He bit me on the inside of the arm, jumped up, bit me, and came off. And maybe about 20 minutes later, I was telling the story to Forrest. Forrest was in my dream. And he kept on staring at me. And I was like, why is this guy staring at me? And he's like, why is your tongue so big? And I'm like, what do you mean my tongue is so big? He's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? My tongue was swollen, and I was having an allergic reaction to this dog biting my heart. And my tongue was massive. And I'm like, first, help me. I can't talk, man. And then I woke up, ran straight to the washroom, looked in the mirror to see my tongue was okay. <laughs> do you dream about force often? No, he was just there. I don't know. He just popped in. Hmm. Just you just the bed, the bed is wet when he wakes up. And then, and then he started laughing at me because my tongue was massive and I couldn't speak. And it was making it worse because he was laughing. I was getting so panicked, like worried. I had this dream that my kid was playing Risk downstairs. <laughs> 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 All right, boys, I think we're out of time. That was good. Amy was fantastic. Yeah, we yeah, should get her on awesome. more often. On. She was awesome. Yeah, yeah, we should, absolutely. Yeah, she fits in great. Really we does. need a little banter session with her because she's... She's yeah, she can hold her own, I think, clearly. Yeah. And she corrected me after 15 years. Sinky. We could also have her on the interview because she did play. Uh, we, she probably has a great playing at Nebraska, yeah. playing at the Gill. And you know, she would be a good interview, actually. Yeah, absolutely yeah. she would be. Yeah, mm-hmm. so maybe we'll do that the next time we hear from Amy. She'll be on a 20-minute, 30-minute interview. Yeah, yeah, exactly. College football in the States is interesting, actually. Yeah. All right, boys. Well, that was fun. Uh, we're back on Sunday. Uh, busy Sunday, right? We got... Uh, the women's team, of course, playing. Um, three o'clock that kicks off, right? So we yeah. might have to do a slightly later part on, on we, Sunday. We, yeah, we will because I'm going to the game. Anyone yeah, else? I might be going as well. I'm either going to be going there or York. I'm not sure which. Okay. I'm planning to be hungover with Jimmy Brennan at the Craft Beer Festival. JC, what? are you coming in? Maybe a TFC game tomorrow night. Hey, Wonger, JC? Yeah. Maybe we'll figure it out. Dunlop? Dunlop? Tomorrow. Tomorrow I've I've got plans. Uh, All right, I'm actually in Aurora tomorrow. Oh jeez! Oh, what are you doing? I got a poolside barbecue. Uh, actually, I got two things in your part of the world, York region. I'm doing a bocce tournament uh, in Nobleton to start the day. Um, it's an annual boys thing. Um, bunch of drywall FC guys. Um, That'll be fun. My first official bocce tournament. So I got to wear all white to this. Is that how it works, Jimmy? You bring no, your that's, championship that's, trophy. That's lawn bowling. That's lawn bowling. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I, when I win the championship, um, I'll bring the trophy on the show, guys. Yeah, we'll make that part of Footy Prime a video show. Mm. That sounds good. Fun. All right, all right, boys. Well, what a weekend we got planned for us all. Amazing. <laughs> Hopefully, Craig will leave his apartment. Game of rips. Me and Charlie <laughs> also fit in a game of rips. <laughs> yeah. All right, that was been a Footy Prime podcast. We'll speak to you on Sunday. Keep buying papers, okay? Bye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.